When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg Strauss is a husband, father, and senior vice president with AB Biotech, a technology-driven company specializing in fermentation science. With 33 years of experience in industry-leading organizations like the Coca-Cola Company and Associated British Foods, Greg's success leverages broad and deep expertise in sales, marketing, operations, and people management. Tonight, we discuss leadership principles that influence consistent results from the boardroom to the front line as we enjoy Wilderness Trail bottled in bond bourbon whiskey. This is straight talk you won't hear anywhere else. I'm Galen Bingham, and this is the Whiskey Jazz and Leadership Podcast. Cheers. Just to have that, I don't want to use the word humility, but just to have that deference and the acknowledgement that, you know, hey, there, there's something else out there that I could be leveraging my people for, things to bring that I should be tapping into. And, and, and the reason why I struggle with calling it humility is because I, I'm, on this, I'm on this campaign to redefine the word humility. And the way that typically it's defined is if someone says, you know, hey, Greg, you, you, you need to be humble. You need to embrace a little more humility. Usually what that means is that you need to over-acknowledge those things that you don't do well. And don't talk about the things that you do well, right? Just kind of keep that on the hush. And the reason why I struggle with that is because there is so much out here trying to convince us that we're not enough, that we don't have all the answers, that you know, unless you buy my thing for $9.99 plus shipping and handling, or buy my six pack of this or that, you won't be complete. And I just think that that really does everyone, but leaders in particular, a disservice. So my definition or my redefinition of humility is embracing the reality of being human. And if you embrace the reality of being human and you call that humility, then that means there are some things that I'm just not good at, right? There are just some things that I just, no matter how I try, I'm just not good at. And I'm going to have to find someone who is good in order to get this thing done. But there are some things that, oh my gosh, I'm really, really good at. And I may not be the greatest in the world at this thing, but I could be one of the top six people that you know at this thing. And 
that's with everybody, right? Everyone has those things that they're really good at. And I, I just, I find that it's really, really important to embrace both equally, uh, as opposed to always piling on to those things that we don't do well. I'm curious, what are some things that, that you have just really embraced to be your strength from a leadership perspective that you just, you, you know you can count on when it's time to deliver either results or inspiration or get your organization to, to do something that might seem impossible to mere mortals? <laughs> wow, that's, that's, a, that's a multifaceted question. At the core of it, though, thinking back on the, on the various positions, opportunities, different career opportunities, because there were, there were different, different highlights at, at different points throughout my career. One of the things that has really paid dividends for me, regardless of the position I occupied at the time, was a genuine interest in what the other person had to say, right? So be it a customer, be it an employee, be it a, a support function or a colleague in a, in a different department. That has helped me immensely in terms of not only playing back to people what I've heard, in some cases, empathy. In other cases, um, hey, I get it. So let, let's do this X, Y, and Z in order to get the job done. It builds advocacy, and it's it's needed advocacy, uh, multifaceted. Coming from a uh, a sales background, it's it oftentimes started with a customer, but equally applied to employees, and equally applied to to other individuals in in other departments, and and so. Haven't always done that, but I've I've certainly tried to do that, and and it has when I've done it successfully, it's paid dividends. Uh, and even in the course of a position, I find myself where I've struggled, and then what did I do differently to then become successful? And I'll, I'll give you an example of of that when I left Coke and and came to AB Maori. I was pretty pretty sure of myself in terms of the value I could bring to a B two B organization. <laughs> Internally, not not with the customers, not with the employees, but uh, internally with with logistics, with uh, procurement, with finance, I was pretty sure how things needed to be done. And so, where I was gaining a lot of of knowledge and a lot of advocacy with the customer base and sales base early on, uh, what I found probably in the first six to eight months is I was I was starting to alienate some of the. Um, colleagues that I ultimately needed to achieve my objectives. Yeah, it was like it took almost a year, but the light bulb went off. It's like, hey, maybe if I kind of like approach them like I do my customers, they might respond well. And, and guess what? They do. <laughs> so, You know, one, one of the things that I actually was talking about earlier when I was telling some of our common acquaintances that I was going to have you on the show they commented on the fact that uh, when we first met, we were working in the same system, the same brand, but actually on two sides of the business. And historically, we're not supposed to like each other. We were actually not supposed to like each other at all. It was my job to a certain degree to kind of tell you what to do. And it was your job to tell uh, to a certain degree to kind of tell me what to do and what you're going to do, right? That kind of thing. And I don't know why we never went down that path, but instead we ended up 
you know, inviting our, our families to get together and, and, and meet and, you know, our kids playing sports together and that kind of thing. Why do you think we never went down that customary path of supposed to be at odds with one another? What do you think happened to us? Why didn't we do this the right way? <laughs> well, it helped that there was a personal connection, right? I've I've always uh, gravitated towards people with with magnetic personalities and and uh, and positive. You're inherently positive, and and so that helped immensely. I mean, and so I actually would give you a lot of credit for that because you're right. The uh, Coca-Cola Enterprise system was definitely geared towards uh, confrontation. Get as much out of the parent company in terms of funding as you can. Implement the programs and and but tell them this is how it's going to be done. And and uh, it was a personal time. Actually, you need to take credit for that because you approached it with a with a very um, friendly approach. You delivered the facts in, in in a in a friendly manner, and and we had a personal connection. I think that's probably not that dissimilar. You know, I think back on on um, very challenging customer negotiations, right? So you you connect at a at a personal level. People want to buy from people; they don't want to be sold to, right? So they, mm. they so if you if you establish a personal connection, it pays huge dividends. It it, it really really does. And so uh, yeah, I give actually you give give you credit for that one. So you 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 disarm me uh, early on. <laughs> Well, you definitely kept it going, right? You definitely kept it going. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, this bottle of bourbon I've been sipping throughout, this is actually going to move you up. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, my, my buddy, Harry, he might be in trouble because he didn't give me a bottle of bourbon. And this is really, really good. So I'm going to sip on this just a little bit more. Tell me, we talked a little bit about family. And, you know, one of the things I'm I'm often intrigued by, especially when you think of leadership at the highest levels, they talk about the importance of compartmentalizing. And they really encourage you to leave work at work and leave home at home and never the two should meet. But I have found that if you're having a bad day at work, it's almost impossible not to have that affect how you come home. And if things aren't right at home, I don't care how good you are, it's going to compromise how you show up at work. What's your thought behind this idea of, because I know you're very, very family oriented, just as I am. What's your idea around this notion of compartmentalizing as it pertains to family and work life? I think that sounds pretty neat and cool, but it doesn't really work in practice. What, what ends up I believe ends up happening or potential of happening is, is people get bottled up. And then there's at some point there's a, I mean, when you bottle up and create pressure that there has to be an, a, a pressure release. And, and so you know, I found quite, quite the opposite that were it not for, and I think about all the different changes, you know, whether it was the uncertainty of, of, of moving from one industry to another. And then not only that, uh, an industry uh, when I moved into it because of wanting to get to know it, traveling 60% of the time, if I had not had a wife at home who was supportive of me, it would have never worked. It wouldn't have. And, and there's too much time invested and, and too much of, of a job. Not, not that there aren't jobs out there that you can compartmentalize, but if you want to be a, a leader and, and lead people and, and, and grow with an organization, 
if you don't have a solid home front, it's it's not going to work. Too much time is invested. Uh, a supportive spouse will enable you. You're going to make make her part of that, right? You're going to make her part of that, and 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 uh, uh, then she feels every bit as invested uh, in 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 the outcome as as you do. And of course, the opposite is true as well. If if you don't have that, and I've I've had employees in the past that I try to as a friend, not just as a boss, but as a friend, it's like, gosh, you gotta you gotta bring your your wife or your husband in in on this because um, it's gonna eat you alive. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. I I just don't know how people are able to tout this idea of compartmentalizing because. I mean, everything that you just said, and I, I've, I've spent some time with your family and, and, and I'll tell you of all the accomplishments that I could laud about for you, I know you can sell because I've met your wife <laughs> and that's proof that at least one day <laughs> you were on your, you were on your A game. You, you like me, you married up, my man, you married up. <laughs> I completely agree. I'm both a cat. <laughs> The other thing that I, that I think about a lot, and I want to get your, because I, I know a little bit about your musical taste, and your musical tastes are about as diverse as mine. I mean, you go from, how do you go from Billie Holiday, Bon Jovi, to Prince, to Tears for Fears, and then back to Tina Turner? You know, I mean, and I dig all of this stuff. But how do you, I mean, so how do you identify those things that music will help you address? Because one of the things I play with a lot, and the reason why I wanted to incorporate that in, into, this, into this podcast is that music for me helps me think about things differently. And jazz in particular, because in jazz, they're really there are some rules, but they're more guardrails. They're more ideas, they're more concepts. And I did kind of hear in an autobiography that Miles Davis, when he recorded one of his masterpieces, he came in with a couple of ideas on napkin and he said, this is kind of what I want you to do. And we're gonna do it on the count of four. One, two, three, four, let's go. And for me, music kind of makes things that seem impossible possible. So tell me about how music kind of fits into uh, your approach to things. For me, it's, it's very visceral. It's, it's what was happening at the time. And so we'll start with the, with the jazz, you know, kind of growing up and, and uh, even through, through high school, college, I, I didn't really listen to, to jazz. Uh, where I've come to appreciate that. And, and uh, yeah, you called up Billy Holiday it is through my wife. So she, so she has a connection, right? Because she she grew up in Memphis and, and has a connection to jazz. Uh, um, and we've certainly uh, had uh, Manhattans while listening to jazz. It's it's a connection to what she likes, and therefore it's embodied in in me as well. Yeah, you're right. I have a kind of a strange um, <laughs> eclectic mix of I don't know punk and and new wave electronic and hard rock and soft rock and pop and all kind of thrown in a in a big uh, uh, blender and, and mixed up together, yeah. All those various artists from the uh, from the eighties that was those were really formative years of my life. And, and if I think back on it, I graduated from high school in nineteen eighty three. I went through college and graduate school. 
I had my first real job. And, and so there was a really, really pivotal times and music was a big part of that. And so uh, even today, when um, 80s stuff comes back, it evokes really positive feelings inside of me. And, uh, and it's like, oh yeah, that's what was going on at that time. So it's, it's a bit nostalgic. It's foundational. It's a part of who, who I am and it, and it, it puts me in a good mood and, 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 and is, is, is attitude enhancing and, and yeah, <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. You know, I, I think of all the, the artists that you list, I think the one that surprises me that I love so much, I, I just wouldn't expect that I would be a fan, but I am a fan. Uh, and that's Queen. Because when I was coming up in that same era, there was like a hard line around heavy metal and rock and, and R&B. So if you like R&B or jazz, you weren't supposed to like heavy metal or, or rock. But there was something about how they approached music that seemed real to me and almost undeniable again that's just another reason for you to be one of my one of my favorite leaders This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.